This episode is sponsored in part by Linode. Simplify your cloud infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines and develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. And hey, listeners of Full Stack Journey podcast can get started on Linode today with $100 in free credit. Find all the details at linode.com slash fullstackjourney. This episode of Full Stack Journey is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Start or grow your IT career with online training from IT Pro TV. And we have a special offer for Full Stack Journey listeners. Sign up and save 30% off all plans. Visit itpro.tv slash full, get 30% off all plans, and use the promo code full at checkout. That's itpro.tv slash full, and use the promo code full at checkout. Morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional and that career-long journey of learning that we all uh, get to journey on. So thank you so much for listening. My goal today, as always, is to help equip and prepare uh, all of you, my listeners, for their journey of learning across this full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and in the cloud environments that we use. Uh, I'm very excited for today's uh, show and today's guest and joining me today uh, to talk about uh, a project called Crossplane is uh, Daniel Mangum. Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Well, hey, I'm super thrilled to have you here. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to join. Um, so, you know, last month uh, on the show, we talked about something called the AWS Controllers for Kubernetes. Uh, which is an AWS-specific sort of thing to extend the Kubernetes control plane into AWS. Um, uh, and, and, and this month, we're going to be talking about cross-plane, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is similar, but actually not tied to a particular cloud provider. Yeah, that's, and, a, that's exactly right. Yeah, perfect. Okay, awesome. So uh, super excited about that. But before we get into that, let me give you a moment to kind of introduce yourself to the listeners. Give us a little background, you know, kind of who you are, what you're doing. Uh, that kind of thing, and um, then we'll uh, we'll dig into the technology. Absolutely, that sounds great. Well, thanks again for having me on. Uh, definitely, really excited to do this. Um, I do some uh, shows for Crossplane in our community, so I'm always excited to be a guest on on other folks' shows um, and kind of be on the other side of the microphone there. Um, so I'm really excited to be joining today. Big fan of the show. Um, to give you a little background on myself, uh, I'm a maintainer of the Crossplane project and a senior software engineer at Upbound, uh, which is the company that started the Crossplane project. Um, I've been there for a little over a year. Um, so just to kind of give you some background on how I ended up working on Crossplane and that sort of thing, it was initially announced uh, at KubeCon North America in 2018. And uh, during that time, I was actually finishing up my final year of school and I saw the, the announcement. I'd been involved in some open source communities and it looked really interesting to me. Um, so I went ahead and started kind of contributing nights and weekends and, and that sort of thing. Um, and after doing that for a while and, and starting a different job, um, the folks at Upbound reached out and said, hey, you seem to like working on this. Uh, would you like to come get paid to work on it? And I said, yes, that sounds great. I appreciate it. Um, so I went on and I started Upbound, like I said, a little over a year ago. Um, but definitely uh, very interested in the Crossplane project, obviously, um, working on it before um, I was doing it 
professionally, if you will, I guess. So um, definitely really interested in it. It's involved over time and we've seen it grow and, and kind of go in different directions. So I'm excited to explore the current state of it today because there's a, a number of different layers to uh, what Crossplane provides to users these days. Awesome. Okay. Very good. Uh, so awesome to have a, a Crossplane maintainer um, joining then to uh, to talk to us about, about the project. Daniel, is there a like a you know, Twitter handle or you know maybe a blog URL that you can provide listeners in case they're interested in connecting with you online after we after you know they listen to the show? Absolutely. Um, so my my handle pretty much everywhere is hashed Dan. So that's H A S E S H A S H E D D A N. And you can find me on Twitter and GitHub. And please feel free to reach out about anything we talk about in this show. The other thing I'd plug is um, we have, as I mentioned, kind of a live stream show for Crossplane that we do every two weeks. It's called The Binding Status. Um, so if you go to the Crossplane YouTube channel, uh, you can find uh, shows with a lot of other cloud native projects that we kind of collaborate with and show how Crossplane can be used alongside those different projects. So that's, that's normally the other place uh, you'll see me hanging out. Okay, awesome. Well, we'll be sure to include links to the binding status uh, in the show notes. That way that uh, folks can can go check that out um, as well. So perfect. All right. So we've kind of already uh, alluded to the listeners, you know, what Crossplane is all about. But um, why don't you start us out with giving sort of a high level overview of what it is and what problems users can attempt to solve by using it. And that I think will will sort of set us up the listeners to be, you know, like, okay, I understand why I might want to spend some time with this because here's the things I'm going to, you know, solve with it. And then we can get into sort of details or whatever, but start out with sort of the high level overview of what it is. Absolutely. So I'm glad you started this off by bringing up ACK and, and it sounds like your listeners will have some context on that. Um, so that's some, some great back, background there. Um, and, you know, there's similar projects from other cloud providers like a Google Config Connector that are essentially taking, um, you know, the API that you use in Kubernetes to create deployments and services and run workloads, et cetera. And they're adding representations of external cloud services that can be created directly in your Kubernetes cluster. And obviously those reach out to the cloud provider API and provision those resources and reflect that status on the resources in your cluster. And there's a number of advantages to this. Number one, it's just, you know, consistent workflow. So you can plumb that into your CI, CD pipelines and uh, provision your infrastructure alongside your workloads. Um, but also, if they're all being provisioned with the same API, you can take advantage of other parts of Kubernetes, such as secrets and services and that sort of thing, to connect your workloads to uh, those cloud services that they're going to consume. So that's kind of the, the initial selling point of Crossplane, and that's mostly what people are familiar with. Um, and we do kind of get this uh, mantra of, you know, not being cloud provider specific, right? So Crossplane is an engine that has different backends that we call providers. Um, so we have, you know, Crossplane maintained ones for AWS, GCP, Azure, Alibaba, et cetera. Um, most of the ones you would think of. And then anyone can write their own provider as well and install those with Crossplane um, and, you know, bring their own API types and, and manage those how they see fit. So that's definitely the initial level that folks get interested in. If you go to Crossplane.io to our documentation, that's the first thing you're going to get walked through. Um, so you're going to create credentials to talk to a cloud provider. You're going to install a provider in Crossplane. Um, and then you're going to create something like an RDS instance or a Cloud SQL instance on GCP. So that's kind of the, the basic value proposition. And most people are interested in that um, because when you first start using uh, Kubernetes, you're typically running your database, or at least early on with Kubernetes, you're running your database either in cluster, you know, as deployments and, and a containerized database there, 
or you are manually through some other process or using Terraform or something like that, spinning up your infrastructure, and then having to have some sort of process of connecting that to your cluster. So lots of folks are interested in that, definitely a need in the community. And you see us and, and others as well, those specific cloud provider ones addressing it each in kind of their own way. And, and that's all implemented through custom resource definitions and, and, and Kubernetes controllers, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on in the show. The, the kind of like next level value proposition uh, that we, we see folks evolve to after they've used crossplane for some time uh, is creating uh, what we call compositions. So that's taking these resources from these different providers um, and composing them together to create abstractions um, and kind of defining your own platform on top of these backing cloud providers. And, you know, that's a really powerful thing. Uh, one of the demos we like to show and we've shown on TBS before uh, our live stream show is creating an EKS cluster. So if you're familiar with uh, spinning up an EKS cluster, uh, you know that there are a lot of different components to that to the point where there's actually a third-party tool, EKS control, which will do a lot of that for you and make that a lot easier. So we show taking all of the different components on the AWS side, so everything from VPC, IAM roles, node pools, et cetera, and the actual EKS control plane. And we create an abstraction on top of that where you have you know, something like a single cluster CRD and you just expose the fields that you want. So maybe that's a region, maybe that's a node pool size, et cetera. And it'll take care of actually provisioning all of the backing services there. So that's kind of the, the next level value play. And once you start doing that, you start to have a platform that you can present to developers uh, within an organization or externally, uh, depending on how your organization is structured. So we typically get folks who are SREs or platform engineers or something like that, um, who want to basically define uh, infrastructure that their engineers can consume uh, without having to know all the nitty gritty details of what's going on behind the scenes. So um, whether it's EKS cluster or they're moving to something even kind of beyond that, where we have things like Helm providers and the backing API there is the Kubernetes API. So you can imagine adding to that cluster um, composition a Helm chart. And once that EKS cluster gets spun up, that Helm chart gets installed into it. So you can really start using these as building blocks and defining your own kind of cloud platform that's based on different providers behind the scenes. Okay, so this idea of um, compositions, that's what you called them, right? Yep, Okay, that's correct. So this idea of compositions is something I want to dig into because uh, that sounds very, very interesting. It, it, it almost sort of s sounds like, um, you know, there, there, are some, there are some companies in the, in, the, in, the, in the infrastructure's code space that are, you know, letting you sort of write general purpose code. Um, and in so doing, you can create your own abstractions. You know, you can create a class in that code, for example, that may in turn reference several smaller things. And then all you have to do is, you know, reference that class and it then does all these other things. And so it kind of seems like we're looking at a, a Kubernetes native sort of value or version of that, but, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so, um, so at high level then, I just want to repeat this, Mac, and make sure we got it right. At high level then what we've got is we've got Crossplane. It installs as a set of CRDs and controllers um, into a Kubernetes cluster, uh, much the same way that a lot of these other solutions do, right? And you've got providers. I assume those providers all, or each of those providers comes with its own set of CRDs that are specific to that platform. Is that accurate? Yep, that's exactly correct. Okay. And so as opposed to, aside from compositions, as opposed to sort of providing a generic, you know, this is blah that, that you know, gives you the lowest common denominator across the clouds and said you've got more of a, this is AWS's RDS and this is Cloud SQL and this is, you know, whatever, right? Um, and that way you're able to sort of pull out 
the full value of what that provider has to offer or that platform offering has to offer as opposed to looking at some generic thing that stretches across. Is that, is that all on the, on the, on the go and go, right? You know, Exactly. Okay. Yep. So, so you can think of it uh, kind of like what you're alluding to as um, kind of the cloud provider CRDs um, as primitive data types, right? And then you can compose those into higher level abstractions, just like when you're, you know, doing object oriented programming or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, sort of like if, uh, if a listener is sitting out there listening to this and they're thinking, okay, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around Kubernetes, much less, you know, now I'm having Kubernetes, you know, manipulate my, my public cloud provider. It sounds like, as you alluded to earlier, you know, sort of the key problems that, that they could look at solving would be, one, providing sort of a consistent workflow, right? Like if they're accustomed to uh, or getting accustomed to how one would interact with Kubernetes either directly or through a CICD pipeline or something of that nature, then the same sort of thing applies here. And it sort of gives them a consistent control plane, if you will, in terms of how they go about it. We can take advantage of Kubernetes RBAC functionalities, I'm assuming, to control mm -hmm. who can look at what and, or create what or whatever. Um, are there any other sort of like key benefits that users should like think about when they're looking at something using something like crossplane or or what? absolutely. So so one of the things we we haven't really talked about, which may be obvious, but I want to make sure to call it out is obviously a difference uh, between using a tool like Terraform or any other infrastructure as code tool is that you know Kubernetes control loops are giving you active management of these resources, right? So if you run um, I don't want to pick on just Terraform, but but any let's say CloudFormation, uh, just to switch it up a little bit. If you run a CloudFormation script, um, you may uh, provision those resources, and it may tell you when that operation is complete and those resources exist. It may even allow you to later run drift detection and see what you know what's changed there and that sort of thing. Well, as Kubernetes controllers, the crossplane core crossplane as well as the different providers that are installed are going to be actively watching those those resources. So if they got out of sync, they're going to bring those back up. So you can have pretty powerful policy management in that way and that you can ensure that, that um, you know, you're not allowing things to get manipulated in the console and, and you have a single source of truth, essentially, um, because it's going to continually drive that back to the spec that you've defined on, on that CRD. And the other thing is, you know, if something goes down for some reason, it's going to get recreated. Um, so that's kind of the beauty of Kubernetes, right? And that's why people love using it is that, you know, if you if you lose your node and there's some pods on that, they're going to get rescheduled to uh, another node. So you get that same sort of active reconciliation with infrastructure. Obviously, we have to put in some caveats around that because they're not stateless workloads, right? So you can't just be deleting a database and, and recreating it somewhere else. It's not the same uh, as a stateless pod or something like that. So there's definitely some guardrails around doing that. And you can set policies about how that's configured. We're pausing the podcast for just a minute to tell you about today's sponsor, Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing enterprise infrastructure, you deserve simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions that let you take your project to the next level. Simplify your cloud infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines and develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Get started on Linode today with $100 in free credit. You can find out all the details at linode.com slash fullstackjourney. Did you know Linode has 11 global data centers and provides 24 by 7 by 365 human support with no tiers and no handoffs, regardless of your plan size. In addition to shared and dedicated compute instances, you can use your $100 in credit on S3-compatible object storage, managed Kubernetes, and more. So host your website, build your app, store or backup media, it's up to you. And it's all free with $100 in Linode credit. Visit linode.com slash fullstackjourney and click on the Create Free Account button to get started. 
And be sure to check out Linode's new YouTube channel for video tutorials, security tips, and more at youtube.com slash Linode. And now back to the podcast. And you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about this and talking about it with you, I also realize that, you know, one of the challenges that folks often run into, not so much with cloud formation, because it's all, you know, the state is kind of all stored in AWS itself, right? But when you look at tools like Terraform, for example, you know, managing state is often like a task in and of itself, right? And, and mm -hmm. protecting the integrity of that state. You know, I talked early on in the show with an SRE uh, who, uh, you know, was uh, advocating something he called defensive Terraform, right? Where he was breaking down Terraform into smaller and smaller state files so that if there was a problem with state corruption, even though they were all being stored um, in, in, uh, in S3, you know, if there was a problem with state uh, corruption, then it didn't affect sort of like the whole stack, right? Uh, and I realize now that, you know, like, hey, you've got this Kubernetes cluster out here running cross-plane, running the providers and the controllers. The state's all right there. So all the mm -hmm. things that you would do to sort of protect that, that's the, the rest of the cluster state, you know, whether you're using tools like Project Valero or, or backing up etcd directly or doing etcd snapshots or whatever, all kind of applies to the state of all the cloud infrastructure that you're also managing through cross-plane, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm glad you brought up Valero. We have had some particular shows on our live stream show with Valero. And we also have some documentation around um, backing up with that. Um, but that's just a good illustration in general of uh, standardizing on a single API, the Kubernetes API, lets you take advantage of a lot of different things. So backup and restore is a great example of that. And we've made sure to build Crossplane in a way that if you did uh, backup all of your resources and then just destroy your cluster, if you uh, restore those into a new cluster, then those are all going to spin up and it's going to regain control of those same resources, assuming you've given it, it the credentials again. But another example of you know taking advantage of that Kubernetes API, you already mentioned RBAC, um, but a lot of folks are, are becoming very interested in OPA, Open Policy Agent. And we've had a couple of demos um, with OPA, where typically, you know, you're going to say, all right, you're not allowed to request more than, you know, some amount of CPU or set some limits on your pods or something like that, or maybe set the security context in a certain way. Well, when everything is defined as a CRD and you can write these general purpose policies, you can say things like, oh, you can't create a database of larger than 20 gigs or something like that. And so all, all of that advantages of being uh, standardized on the Kubernetes API really just grows over time as you see that CNCF landscape continue to expand and, and be impossible to keep track of. Whatever tools you're using, they're going to integrate with Crossplane right out of the box. So we see a lot of benefit uh, of being standardized on Kubernetes outside the general kind of active reconciliation and things I mentioned. Yeah, well, I mean, those are, that's, that's a great point. And, and you know, I, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't downplay at all the, 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 the strong reconciliation model um, you know, it, it's 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 actually really really powerful, um, and and I know you alluded to that earlier, but like having the fact that you have these controllers that are continually checking what you have requested the desired state to be against what against what it actually is, and then reconciling that is incredibly powerful. And it's like it's like having your own little SRE that's going out and running Terraform, you know, or whatever your tool is, right? Constantly. Now, you know, you and I both have mentioned Terraform on several occasions. One of the benefits of something like Terraform is the DSL. It's it's fairly well known. Because we're talking Kubernetes and Kubernetes APIs here, I would uh, I would assume, perhaps incorrectly, if I'm wrong, let me know. But I would assume we're talking about a wall of YAML here that people are going to use to define their cloud resources. Is that accurate? 
Yep, that is uh, right on. And and I know where you're going with this, but I'll, I'll let you finish your question for me. Wow, <laughs> I don't, I'm not even sure where I'm going to go with it, but I was thinking like, <laughs> okay, you know, one of the one of the super useful things that I think a lot of people don't realize is is kubectl explain for discovering the API and discovering the spec and being able to say kubectl explain, you know, this spec dot blah 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 whatever it is, right? And having it tell you this these are the fields that are here, and these are what we're expecting. You know, I know that it was in a recent release of Kubernetes that they sort of made sure that CRDs were showing up in that. And so I'm, I'm guessing from a, from a discoverability perspective, like someone who maybe knows Terraform and wants to come into Crossplane, where do they start? Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's a great call out. That's once again, another advantage we get of being part of the Kubernetes ecosystem, you know, tooling like that, that's going to generate documentation for us, essentially. Um, we also uh, use similar tooling to generate documentation and host it online for each of our providers. Um, so you can look at that. But there's a couple other areas that I think are, are really important to notice. First of all, we've been working a lot with uh, CDKs, uh, if you're familiar, which is kind of like being able to define your infrastructure as TypeScript or define your Kubernetes uh, resources as TypeScript. So that's a way, you know, it'll essentially spit out YAML eventually. But there's lots of different ways that you can layer on top of YAML if you if you don't prefer that experience to get that kind of more programming workflow. So if you're familiar with HCL, for instance, with, with Terraform and you prefer something that's a bit more expressive, you can once again get that. So that's definitely a big benefit. The other thing uh, I wanted to call out around using YAML to define things and, and, and that sort of thing is that for each of our CRDs, we have a kind of principle that we call high fidelity, which is where we, we always strive to represent the cloud provider API one-to-one. So sometimes that can be quite challenging. And, and we've actually been working with the ACK folks a little bit, which I, I'd like to touch on in a little bit. But there's a lot of uh, AWS APIs that they don't think are particularly great. And they're especially not great for doing declarative operations. They're very imperative. So those can be tough to mirror. But the advantage you get when you mirror things one-to-one is, number one, if someone's coming from another tool, that's going to be a more familiar API for them to interact with, right? It's going to be the same named fields. It's just going to transfer a lot better. Another thing, which is even more important, is if we allow you know, the exact API to flow through to AWS or GCP or Azure, then the errors that are returned from that allow folks to use the documentation that, that people from those cloud providers have put together. So we don't have to maintain you know, our whole separate set of how our schemas map to theirs. They're going to look exactly like they do for each of the cloud providers or whatever provider backend you're using. And alongside that, um, you mentioned ACK earlier, and they are currently working on um, doing some code generation, right? So these are all API specs. So uh, generating the CRDs from them is not a, a you know super difficult thing to, do, to be done. It's done in lots of realms uh, in, in uh, software engineering. So with these cloud providers, we're definitely looking at tapping into uh, those different generating pipelines that they have to generate these controllers for us. Um, we also have a cross-plane runtime, which kind of abstracts away a lot of the Kubernetes aspects of that and kind of gives you a more traditional CRUD um, operations loop that you can program. So we're certainly working with those folks. And, and obviously, uh, a provider has the advantage of if they have a really great cross-plane provider, then more folks are going to be using their services because it's going to flow through right to that back end anyway. Um, so folks using cross-plane actually just gets more people on their services. So they're pretty indifferent to whether folks are using CloudFormation or ACK or Crossplane. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it is cool that you are working with like CDKs and, and giving people sort of a programmatic entry point, if you will, 
to generate YAML instead of just you know making them write straight up YAML instead giving them especially when you're when you're looking at a developer audience you know giving them this this means of saying here's a language that you know you're probably familiar with right uh, JavaScript TypeScript um, and and you can go and define you know, what the applications requirements or what the infrastructure requirements are in that language that you may already be familiar with and instead of you know sort of context switching into you know YAML and and that sort of thing right. Absolutely. But knowing also that folks can can write the YAML if they wanted to. And um, are, are you, uh, and I haven't, I haven't tried this like recently, but I know like there's within the Kubernetes ecosystem, in some cases there are generators to help you generate sort of the skeleton framework for a particular object, right? So users can generate the framework for a deployment or a service or whatever. Um, is that something that Crossplane offers as well to make it a little easier for new users? So we don't um, offer those directly, but anything that generates for CRDs, then we can just plug in that schema to it and it'll give that same experience. Um, all CRDs are using the open API v3 schema. So, you know, it defines what's required and what's optional, et cetera, which is used for validation with the Kubernetes API server. Um, so it's fairly easy for folks to generate things that say, you know, you must provide these fields and do some validation for you. Some of the things we've worked on around that are uh, like code plugins and that sort of thing uh, for different editors, so specifically VS Code in that case. So one of the things that we played around with a few months ago that some folks were interested in uh, was a programming language server, which basically can be a backend to any editor. And it does things like making sure that if you create an abstraction on a you know a cloud provider resource, that that cloud provider resource is also going to get installed into your cluster and that sort of thing. So there's some sort of higher level cross-plane context that we can use to make sure that you're configuring your YAML um, in a way that makes sense. Got it. Okay. All right. Now I, I want to make sure we come back to compositions because that's really, really fascinating. You know, the, the sort of the, you know, the mechanics of, of how this is working, I think is relatively well understood sort of, you know, principle. I mean, ACK follows similar principle with controllers and specific CRDs and even, you know, sort of projects within the Kubernetes ecosystem, things like cluster API and others, you know, same sort of scenario, right? They have their own controllers and their own um, CRDs to, to implement the reconciliation loop for those particular types Mm -hmm. But it sounds to me like this idea of, of a composition is essentially creating your your own CRD um, that is composed of you know, these other primitive data types. And that seems like, you know, now in typical fashion, we're delving into the realm of like writing your own controllers and, you know, yep. that kind of thing, which is typically beyond the reach of many, many folks unless they're, you know, deeply involved in, in Kubernetes uh, things. So, I, I mean, like, how does an ordinary guy like me come up with, you know, or, or create a composition composed of one of these lower level primitives. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's a great point, right? If you're creating these new types, what's reconciling them and making sure that they result in the primitive types getting created? That's a great question. Um, well, one of the things that we thought of, you know, originally we were like, well, folks can just write their own providers and, you know, create their abstractions and, and write the controller code to do that. That's obviously not a great experience. So that's really what core crossplane is because without that composition, then you'd basically just have the providers, right? And you could go use ACK or something like that. So what composition is doing is there's two uh, kind of main types here and you'll see that this mirrors the Kubernetes um, API conventions pretty closely. So, you know, there's CRDs. We have what we call an XRD, which is a, a composite resource definition. So this is where you're defining a, a new type. And it's going to look a lot like a CRD. You basically, you know, pick a name for it and then have a template for uh, what the Open API v3 schema is there. And without getting too, too in-depth with just audio here, um, what happens when you create that 
is we have controllers that are watching for the creation of an XRD. And it will actually see that creation, go and create a new CRD in your cluster and dynamically start up a controller to watch that. And then on the back end, so you've, you've created your, your abstraction now, right? So let's say that's our cluster resource that we were kind of referencing earlier uh, with all the EKS types. What you want to be able to do is have kind of pluggable backends for that. So you've, ha you've created your XRD that's resulted in the creation of your CRD. So now you can create instances of that cluster. But what does a cluster mean? Well, you may want to have multiple definitions of what a cluster means. So that's where the composition type comes in, which is aptly named. And uh, that's where we define the actual EKS, IAM roles, VPC, et cetera. Those are kind of all in line and a big resource there. And we'd say this satisfies this XRD type that we created. So uh, with all those resources and, and we'd have them referencing each other as well, because obviously values have to get, you know, propagated from the VPC into the EKS cluster, et cetera. And so that's basically a template for spitting out a lot of different resources. And we'd say this, this composition satisfies the cluster XRD. So when we see instances of the cluster uh, XRD be created, or eventually the cluster CRD get created, the values on that flow through. And we have a very lightweight templating language that allows those abstract values that you've defined for your XRD to be uh, patched onto those different resources in your composition. And then eventually that spits out instances of those actual types, which are reconciled by the provider controllers that you've installed. So that's a general workflow. As you can imagine, you know, you may want to have more than one composition for an XRD. So you could have a cluster type and that could be satisfied by those AWS resources. You could also have a GCP composition if you wanted that had a, you know, even like a project and a network is what they call their VPC kind of uh, abstraction. Um, and then a GKE cluster and some GKE node pools. And based on the labels on the composition, when you, or excuse me, on the cluster, when you created it, it could get scheduled to either that GCP or AWS one. Now, maybe you're only on a single cloud provider, so you don't think that's super useful. Well, you could have a East EKS one and a West EKS one, and that could create a VPC in the East region, a VPC in the West region, et cetera. Um, so you can kind of have arbitrary backends for this. And you could actually, if you think about this, switch out the actual cloud provider without your developers ever knowing, right? Because they're just interacting with this abstraction and there's different compositions behind it. Um, so there's a lot of powerful things you can do with this. And one of the things that we're working on right now is creating what we call reference architectures. So this is basically saying, what are common abstractions that an organization would like to present to its developers? And then what kind of compositions would satisfy those? And we also have a packaging format in Crossplane that allows you to take all these XRDs and compositions and bundle them into a single unit. Those are actually OCI images that we just push up to registries and you can install into your cluster and it'll basically uh, install those different types for you. So it's a pretty powerful workflow and we've seen a lot of folks kind of build on each other's compositions, right? And, and define higher level abstractions on different levels of primitives there. Hey, we're taking a quick break from the podcast just to tell you about our sponsor today, IT Pro TV. They are IT training specialists. Did you know a recent MIT study found that IT occupations have grown by 19.5% between 2004 and 2019? That's more than eight times the growth rate for other jobs over the past decade. While the earnings growth for those with college degrees has somewhat flattened since 2000, earnings have actually grown significantly for individuals working in IT. And it's never too late to start a new career in IT or move up the ladder, and IT Pro TV has you covered, from CompTIA and Cisco to EC Council and Microsoft. There's more than 4,000 hours of on-demand training, 
Engaging hosts present information in a talk show format. They're live every day, and shows go studio to web in just 24 hours. Courses are conveniently listed by category, certification, and job role. You can stream IT Pro TV's courses live and on demand worldwide via Chromecast, Roku, Apple TV, PC, or their iOS or Android apps. Learn IT, pass your certs, and get a great job with IT Pro TV. Just visit itprotv/full for 30% off all plans. Use the promo code FULL at checkout. That's itpro.tv/full and use the promo code FULL at checkout. One last time, itpro.tv/full and use that promo code FULL at checkout to save 30% off all plans. And now back to the podcast. So I, I might have missed it, but is there a, is there like a, for lack of a better term, a registry of compositions or a library of compositions people can look look at and pull from? Yeah, absolutely. So we have, um, you know, within the Crossplane org on GitHub, we have a, a number of different repos that have, you know, reference implementations of different compositions um, on crossplane.io in the docs in the getting started section, it'll walk you through creating your own composition and for each of the different cloud providers. And then uh, the registry aspect of that, like I said, you can you can package those up in an image and push them. Um, and since it's an OCI image, that could go to Docker Hub, Upbound itself. Uh, the company I work for has a registry um, that does some additional indexing and will you know show some nice metadata around your CRDs and that sort of thing. Um, and then whenever you spin up a Kubernetes cluster, if you install Crossplane, then uh, we have provider and configuration objects, which basically say, go, you know, install this from a registry. So if you, if you have, you know, a, a platform that you've defined of a lot of different configurations, then you can just specify that and it'll come and install all of those and you'll basically be where you left off, right, with all your different abstractions available to your developers. Got it, got it. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, because I could certainly see where that would be. Um, so, you know, first of all, it sounds like the whole idea of, you know, the XRDs and, and then the corresponding sort of CRDs that come from behind that and then how they will look at multiple primitive, you know, objects below them as satisfying that reconciliation loop is, is really interesting. And it sounds like you've made that a lot more approachable for the non-developer, right? And, and, I, and I pointed out just because, like, you know, a lot of the audience for the show comes from a more infrastructure-centric background, right? And so we start right. talking about, you know, like frameworks for doing this or frameworks for doing that. And then their, you know, their eyes glaze over and they're just like, oh, <laughs> I don't know programming. I don't want to do that, da, 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 whatever, right? And so making something a little more approachable, I think, um, you know, positions it well in terms of like, hey, this is something that I could actually use. Um, you know, we could probably have a, an entirely separate show about, you know, whether folks should create multi-cloud abstractions. Right, um, right. You know, <laughs> that, that gets into a whole other sort of like very, you know, tricky topic about multi-cloud. Uh, but um, I still think that the idea is nice. And even, even if it were just something where, hey, my company's migrating from AWS to GCP or, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, you know, cost, availability, blah, blah, blah. The fact that you could swap out the definitions underneath it and leave the abstractions the same does give you a level of, of sort of flexibility that you wouldn't have otherwise. So that that's a nice piece. Um, I will I will say, for folks, you know, sort of switching up. I, I like the idea of compositions. This is something I gotta wrap my head around a little bit more. But okay. let's transition just a bit. Uh, you know, for for folks who are new to Crossplane, like what's the best way for them to get started? Well, I'd say the first thing is to not worry about composition at all, honestly, and just go and install Crossplane, install one of the providers and 
create a resource and see it come up on your cloud provider. That's just going to kind of like build that muscle memory about what's happening, right? When I create an instance of this, it's going to result in creation on my cloud provider in my account that I've specified with my credentials. And then from that, I would say, what is another thing that you generally provision with that resource that you just created? All right, put those two things in a composition and then create an abstraction in front of it. Maybe an abstraction with no fields, right? So let's say on that cluster abstraction that we keep going back to, there's actually no configurability there. It always creates the same exact thing for you, maybe randomizes the name or something like that. But, you know, very simple. You see that workflow of installing a, a XRD and then creating an instance of it and seeing multiple resources come out of it. And then from there, um, I'd start to layer those up and package them and that sort of thing. I think that's kind of the most approachable way. It almost teaches you while you're using it. And like you said, most folks, you know, are not going to be using multiple cloud providers. In fact, I would not recommend you use multiple cloud providers. Um, and most users of Crossplane do not make use of multiple of our provider backends. A lot of them, you know, will come along and say, we're an AWS shop. We're, we're just going to use AWS. And people just like that see a lot of benefit in composition uh, because of those abstractions they can present to their developers. Um, so kind of depending on, on what your role is in a company, uh, you could kind of start from either end of that spectrum, right? You know, building up your compositions or installing a composition and just consuming that abstraction. Got it. Got it. Okay. And I'm assuming that, uh, you know, you referenced the cross-plane docs a couple of it. I'm assuming that, you know, for, you know, for, again, for folks who are new and they're interested in kind of, you know, kicking the tires or whatever, there's a, you know, a quick start guide or a getting started section in there that they can just say, okay, you know, what are the steps I need to go ahead and get this thing up and running in my cluster? Um, is that, I, yeah. 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 That's exactly right. Um, and, and another thing, you know, if you're, if you're interested in maybe extending Crossplane for your own uses, wh whether that's, you know, crafting uh, configurations or that's creating a new provider, um, the live stream show that I've mentioned a couple of times, we've had shows where we've built a whole provider in an hour or so. Recently, we had one where uh, we built provider SSH, uh, which is basically similar to the cloud providers. The API is SSH. So we showed um, with the packet provider, actually, um, for those who are familiar with packet, the bare metal cloud provider, we spun up a device uh, and then use provider SSH to do some provisioning onto that device. So, you know, putting together one of those and watching the videos can be really useful for folks. So that would be another route. Final one is definitely uh, joining us in the Crossplane Slack. Uh, if you go to slack.crossplane.io, it'll redirect you to sign up there. And we are very responsive. So if you have any questions, uh, definitely feel free to just post them in the dev or general channel or reach out to me directly. Yeah, perfect. Now for, for your next, uh, for your next gig, I want you to write me um, a replacement for Slack that doesn't require that I be signed into 14 different Slack communities. <laughs> well, uh, along those lines, we do have a provider Slack for Crossplane. If you would like to, to create messages in Slack from your Kubernetes cluster, you've come to the right place. So if okay. you just put all your credentials in there, you won't have to sign into to any of your workspaces. Got it. Okay. All right. All right. I'll have to take a look at that. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll install that along with my um, cluster API Domino's provider where I yeah. can instantiate a pizza through my Kubernetes API. Exactly. Um, but actually that did, that did kind of bring an interesting question to my mind. Like, you know, one of the things that, as I understand it correctly, and, and if any of the listeners are cluster API providers, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know one of the things that they're, I don't want to say wrestling, but they're working on right now is, is multi-tenancy. Like, you know, it's, it's a pretty common scenario in AWS, for example, for somebody to have, you know, multiple accounts that are linked up to a master account, and they may want to provision resources in different accounts or whatever, right? 
Um, is that something that you guys have, have addressed in, in terms of how, you know, a single provider and cross plane could talk to multiple AWS accounts, for example? Yeah. So, you know, obviously those controllers are a binary running in a, a pod in your cluster. Um, but the way they actually connect to the cloud provider is we have a separate kind of primitive re resource called a provider config. Right now, the way that you would uh, specify credentials is creating a Kubernetes secret. Um, so you could have an arbitrary number of those and then provi provider configs actually just reference those secrets. And each time you create a new resource, you actually specify the provider config you'd like to use with that. So that's really configurable. Obviously, a lot of folks want to provide those credentials, uh, not just using secrets. There's a couple different routes you can go there. Um, some folks, you know, will sync uh, secrets from Vault uh, into their Kubernetes cluster and you can use it natively. But we're definitely looking at other solutions for being able to connect to your cloud provider without having to create Kubernetes secrets. A good example of that is folks that use EKS. Uh, if you're running crossplane in an EKS cluster, they have a feature called IAM roles for service accounts. And, and GCP has workload identity. Most of the cloud providers have something similar if you're using their hosted Kubernetes solution. And what that does is allow you to basically just annotate the service account which uh, the provider is running with. And it will actually inject your credential information into the file system of the pod. And usually the SDK for that cloud provider is actually just going to go through a credentials chain and pick that up for you. Um, so that's another way that you could authenticate to your cloud provider in potentially a more secure fashion. Yeah, the uh, provider config and then, and then just running a single, you know, it's like a single instance of the provider and then specifying when you create a resource, you know, this is the config I want to use is actually, from my perspective at least, a really elegant way of doing that. Like rather than having to run sort of like multiple instances of the provider for different accounts and being statically bound to a set of credentials or anything like that. So th that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so we're, we're coming up on, you know, sort of my self-imposed uh, time. Mm -hmm. I, I like to, you know, not run too, too much uh, over 45 minutes um, to keep the shows consumable. Um, any, any sort of closing thoughts, like, you know, again, thinking about the show and thinking about the listeners and, and our goal being, you know, how can we help them sort of level up um, any closing thoughts around crossplane or how folks might get started or, you know, sort of like good resources. I've been taking some notes uh, as we're talking and I'll put all this all in the show notes, but any, anything else that we want to make sure that we get in front of the listeners um, to help them should they decide they want to explore crossplane. So I've already mentioned the the docs in our YouTube channel and that sort of thing, but I just want to reemphasize, you know, reaching out to some of the maintainers directly. We actually routinely, I've I've had a number this week, uh, have onboarding calls with folks where we're we're completely willing to sit down with you and just tell you about Crossplane. It's it's not a sales pitch; it's completely free software. Um, so you're welcome to use it. Uh, and if you're interested in contributing, we'll also get you onboarded for doing that. Uh, we've seen a lot of folks want to add support for different resources. Um, for their cloud provider of choice. Um, so definitely please feel free to reach out directly and we'll make sure to get you fixed up and, and on your way. And then outside of that, definitely feel free to open issues on, on any of our repos. Um, each of the providers have their own repository in the, the Crossplane org. And then Core Crossplane is where we have all the machinery around doing composition and installing packages and that sort of thing. So please feel free to open issues, request support for new things, and, and we'll make sure to get that on the roadmap and, and make sure it's supported. Awesome. And if somebody's interested in reaching out to you for an onboarding session, which I think is just awesome, by the way, that you guys take the time to do that, is that, should they, should they do that through Slack uh, community? Is that the best way to do it or? Yeah, Slack is probably the best way. But if you're, if you don't want another Slack workspace, you've got too many that you're signed into reaching out on Twitter or anywhere else you can find me is, is obviously welcome as well. 
Okay. Awesome. Great. Great. And, and just, you know, as a form of closing, right, since you offered to have people reach out to you, why don't you remind everyone where they can find you on Twitter and GitHub and, el and elsewhere? Yeah. So I'm hash Dan on Twitter and GitHub and, uh, the, the live stream show is the binding status or shortened to TBS. So if you uh, search for the uh, cross plane channel on YouTube, there should be a playlist that's called TBS, which has all of our episodes, um, through that. Um, so you can watch through some of those, some of them are more tutorial based. Some of them are more integrating with other projects. And then obviously our crossplane.io website is where you'll find docs and that sort of thing. All right. Perfect. Uh, that was a excellent, excellent discussion. Thank you so much, uh, Daniel, for, for joining us. Uh, really appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And thank you listeners for joining us today. I hope that the discussion here with Daniel about Crossplane uh, has been helpful to you. As always, we do appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. Um, and if you happen to get a moment and can give us a rating or feedback on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever podcast mechanism of choice you found the show by. We'd certainly appreciate that. It helps us reach new listeners and uh, be able to share our information with more folks. So uh, thanks again uh, for listening to the Full Stack Journey, where the journey of learning never ends. Mm -hmm.